Authors on the Air with Terry Shepard, award-winning broadcaster, narrator, and author of the Jessica Ramirez Thrillers. Brought to you by the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network and by Ramirez and Clark Publishers. Presenting Terry Shepard's latest Jessica Ramirez adventure, Chasing the Captain. Available in print, digital, and audiobook everywhere. Thank you, Lisa. We love showcasing debut authors on the program, especially when they claim to be part cyborg. Among many other things, Lori Schoenfeld teaches creative writing, is a child abuse advocate, still loves Nancy Drew, and has just released one heck of a psychological thriller. Little Owl explores a mother's worst fear. The daughters of Lori's protagonist, Adeline Rushner, have gone missing. When bodies are found, Adeline's husband wants to move on, but our heroine can't shake the feeling that her girls are still alive. Little Owl is an unsettling study of past trauma, inner strength, and the power of forgiveness. Before we bring her on, here's a sample of Laurie Schoenfeld's debut psychological thriller, Little Owl. Adeline stood from the bed and went into the kitchen, peering out the window. She couldn't hear the girl's high-pitched squeals or giggles of delight that she always heard when they played outside. Lifting the blinds, she glanced left and right. Nothing. I'm sure they're all right. No sound. Her heart picked up pace, and her feet moved under her before she knew she had left the kitchen. The vast motion made her shaky knees feel as if they were in control. She took a deep breath but her chest clinched harder. Adeline yanked her coat off the hanger in the hall closet and slammed the door. Liara? Eliza? Are you okay? She yelled louder as she stepped down the front porch. The snow fell quickly, and the tire swing rocked back and forth, but there was no sign of wind. Left, right, left. Girls, I don't want to play games right now. Come out! No movement or sound answered her. Adeline ran to the shed as her body shook. The girls loved to play doctor in there, where they'd take care of all their pretend farm animals. Keep it together. Don't freeze. Keep it together. The air in her lungs grew shallower, and she tightened her grip on her coat pocket. One, two, three. Breathe. She opened the shed. It smelled like old, wet wood, mold, and leather. There wasn't a place in there the girls could hide and not be seen. She gasped. No. Please, God. No. Don't do this to me. Laurie Schoenfeld, welcome to Authors on the Air. Thank you. Thank you so much, Terry. I'm so excited to be here with you. I had to take a Xanax after reading that. (laughs) You grab your readers by the throat and you don't let go until the very end. Wow. How can you sustain that level of psychological tension for so long in a story? There were a lot of, because there's multiple POV characters within the book. And each one of the characters, I really wanted to focus on their own specific fears but also integrate how one person's fear can also heighten another person's fear. And they're completely different fears that they're experiencing in the same exact moment. And so there were multiple moments when I was feeling that fear right along with each of my characters, where when I say I had 
to take multiple breaks, I would write, get it all out. And then there would be like some reprieves where I'd go watch a comedy or I would go take a walk. The heightened emotion and fear that was being placed within the novel that needed to be there, but it it was intense. Yeah. <laughs> it's a long way from Nancy Drew. How did you get interested in this genre? So the main character, Adeline Rushner, um, she wants to create safety and consistency within her home and her family. That's really important to her. But she doesn't know how to quite do that because she's struggling with her own PTSD and childhood trauma um, that's plaguing her. And so I brought in a lot of those pieces of Adeline that are actually experiences from my own Um, personal experience from childhood trauma and my own PTSD. Um, So a lot of Adeline's character and what she's feeling and what she's going through really started out with a lot of what I was experiencing and feeling and needed a place to put it um, so that I wouldn't spiral and so that I could build and understand my own space of safety and consistency and what I wanted to create but didn't quite know how to create that space with the PTSD that I was feeling. Was that advice from your therapist to write? No, but my therapist did give me a high five when she said, okay, this is a great first awareness of writing because it is an investigative tool, which is the Nancy Drew part for me. Of I'm investigating in my own like mind, heart, and soul on what's really going on in there and why I'm behaving the way that I'm behaving, which felt exciting for me when I looked at it from, okay, I'm with Nancy Drew. We're going on a mystery because really what I felt inside was terror and I was feeling fear. And it was so many dark spaces that I needed to investigate and explore. That was super scary. But looking at it from the Nancy Drew perspective, I could then say, okay, we're looking for wonder. We're looking for investigation. We're looking for mystery on why you're behaving this way. And then we can start beginning to solve the mystery within yourself. So I implemented both, Terry. (laughs) You pulled it off. I mean, I thought the book was absolutely terrific. And your candor about the autobiographical nature has to resonate with others. Have you heard from people that have said, this is magic to me because I've walked this path too? Yeah, actually, I've had a lot of people that have had PTSD or experienced it at some point in their life, read the characters and say, thank you so much. I feel so validated. Like the experiences of what your characters are sharing and showing within the book are things that I felt, but I didn't know was okay, or I didn't know how to place, or I didn't know that that was a normal reaction to PTSD. So yeah, I've had quite a few of those comments that have come in, which I always love to talk to those who are connecting to the characters, but also reaching out of, I've went through this experience too. Can we talk about it together? I really love that conversation piece too. Lori Schoenfeld is our guest. Her debut thriller is titled Little Owl, available in print and digital at Amazon. Find her on Facebook at Lori Schoenfeld Events. That's the tag at the end of Facebook.com, spelled L-A-U-R-I-S-C-H-O-E-N-F-E-L-D, Events. 
You say in your biography that you're part cyborg. What does that mean? Yes, I have two titanium rods on each side of my spine and 18 hooks that are wrapping around my spine to hold it into place. And that sounds like a scoliosis cure. Was that something that you had as a kid? Yes. Yeah, I was diagnosed when I was 13, um, wore a Boston brace, which is this hard plastic brace that just squeezes you like a corset. It's not cute, though, Um, for 22 hours a day for a year and a half. And unfortunately, it did not help the curve. And by the time I was 15, um, I was so hunched over that they said, you know, either we have this massive surgery or you're going to be crippled by the time you're 30. Uh, It's just too extensive. So we went in and had the surgery. And now I'm the proud owner of all sorts of metal and hooks (laughs) in my body to help support me be able to have the lifestyle that I would like to have. So, And 15 is the absolute worst time. They have to be different. Um, it was, yeah, it was definitely uh, quite the experience. I will say uh, you learn very quickly through hard experiences, even when you're a teen, who your true friends are. Because I had, you know, quite a few people band together and even people that I didn't really know before my surgery, all of a sudden that would come and visit me and bring me meals or walk me to class, you know, because I was concerned when I went back to school that if I ran into someone that it would jar my whole entire back. Um, So there were different fears that I had going back to school. So I definitely appreciated that support system as well of, you know, people looking out for me during that time too. Do you remember the first thing you ever wrote? Yes. I actually wrote a poem about what was in my refrigerator and why it was delicious or disgusting. Yeah. It was a stanza of like, you know, Eight, nine lines. <laughs> <laughs> Is it still in memory? Can you recite it for us now? <laughs> I don't even remember half of what I wrote, but I do remember being very excited and thinking to myself, I had my cute little Nancy Drew notebook with a pen going, I'm going to write a poem and we're going to write it about what's in the fridge. <laughs> so I remember that feeling, but not what it said. <laughs> we writers tend to say that parental support or lack of support help drive our desire to be storytellers. Was your household supportive of your writing? No, actually. Um, So I grew up in a very abusive home and uh, there was a lot of perfectionism and high standards of you cannot be anything but perfect if you want me to see you or love you. And so writing for me was the one space that I had a journal And it was just for me. No one got to have those pieces of Lari. And so writing was my safe space um, of a spot where I could just be me without perfectionism, without feeling like I needed to perform for someone to love me. It was just a space of creativity, wonder, and my own voice. You know, when we grow up in those houses, we assume that's how the world works. It isn't until we actually get out and start living life somewhere else that we realize that there are options. When did you realize that there was another way you could live? Oh, um, probably I would say once I got married and I had my own children, 
um, I started to kind of look at my kids and began realizing through my own depression and anxiety and PTSD that they were emulating some of what I was showing and that I did not want them to have the same upbringing or lifestyle of what I knew was common and familiar for me. And so that was really the beginning step of questioning myself, well, what do you want for your children and how can we do this? And it was honest answer of you have to show up for yourself first and you have to love yourself first. And you have to look at what healing looks like for you so that you then can show them how to be brave, how to be confident, how to love themselves, how to be creative, but they don't, they won't know how to do that until I learn how to show that and do that myself. So that's when things became more magical is when I decided to take that step and show up for Laurie. Um, so then I could be the kind of mom, woman, and person that I want to be within my family and my community as well. One of the things that's impressed me from the moment that I met you is your authenticity. How were you able to develop that over time? Mm, I started writing uh, morning pages, which I learned from Julia Cameron's The Artist Way, which is three longhand pages of authentic writing, not pretty writing. It's not, it's filtered. It's basically your train of thought of writing on a piece of paper, all of it, not just the happy, not just the sad, like all the content that's going on in your brain. And like, after about four years of doing that every single day and showing up to that, I started really grasping the authenticity of allowing myself to be uncomfortable and sharing those unfiltered pieces of myself that are the things I think about and feel all the time. But I had to first feel safe with sharing that with myself on my pages for a while. Well, it wasn't it fun just to be able to write and not worry about things like point of view and Oxford commas. It was actually really hard at first because the first like three months I would want to go back in my writing and like, <laughs> edit, make yeah. my words so nice with commas and oh, I said this, but really that doesn't sound good. So I'm going to just change it with this other word because that's really what I meant, even though that's not what I meant at all. <laughs> Once we learn a little bit about the craft, it's easy to become obsessive compulsive about the details. And one of the rules that some teachers teach is don't have too many points of view. You had seven. How did you pull that off? When I had seven POVs, I had so many at the beginning that was like, this is not going to work. But I took it as a challenge of like, okay, this may not work, but I want to investigate all these characters and they're all wanting to share something. So I'm just going to play with it and see what happens. And the more that I don't, each one of the characters, each character became so rich and vivid and they had their own trauma story of why they were hurting, why they had fears. And that relatability, I think, is what made the story work is because they are sharing each one of their own relatable fears and trauma that they're going through as we all have our own fears and trauma that we're going through as well. So I didn't know that it would work. I hoped it would. Lori Schoenfeld is our guest. Little Owl is the book. Beyond your own experience in writing Little Owl, there's so many different characters, so many different dimensions, so many different traumas. What other research did you do to craft that tale? 
Oh, I love that question. Um, I reached out. So there's an officer Abbott within the story. And I reached out to multiple detectives and officers to sit down and chat with them on what are their specific elements of PTSD that would come in and why. Uh, What are the different things that they would think about that often they wouldn't talk about after they see a scene, but also not only a scene, when they are going to a scene and there's something that reminds them of their own family or child, like kind of bringing in those elements as well that we often don't think about. Um, I talked to multiple psychologists um, that talked about their different pieces of after, you know, therapy sessions with people, the different feelings that they would feel. Um, as they absorb a lot of the emotion as well from the other side. And so it helped me to really gain a different perspective on things that I hadn't even processed before I started this novel of that makes sense why you would have trauma and fear there in that element. I want to bring those pieces into the story as well on what really happens behind the scenes that we often don't see that is very real for each individual person in a specific career and setting. Those of us that have depression and PTSD have finely tuned radar and are easily triggered by stories like that. How did you build enough distance to be able to get the information you needed without becoming immersed in it yourself? Uh, there were times I did get very, uh, very immersed and I felt very low and I would cry and get really angry right along with the characters. Um, I would pre-warn my husband often. <laughs> like, I'm going into this scene. This is what it looks like. If I'm crying and I'm getting really angry downstairs, I'm okay. Just let me like, release it, (laughs) but it's okay. And I mean, that's, I say that after like the fourth time of him really concerned, like something was wrong. Then I started communicating like, Oh, I maybe should tell him that this is what's happening. (laughs) But uh, there were times I, I didn't distance and um, that was really difficult. And I, I had to find uh, my own toolbox of how to self-soothe during those moments. And there were times that I was really great at gaining that awareness of, oh, we're here, time to step away. Um, So it it, kind of weaved (laughs) for me as I was writing this book, for sure. A courageous therapeutic process. It's a good thing that you just explained to your loved ones what's going on so they they could understand. My kids now know because I have a I have a punching bag downstairs. So they're very wildly aware that when mom's on her punching bag and listening to music, like that's her therapy, that that we're okay. <laughs> but yeah, they, they always know mom is working out, she's getting her anger out, and then that it's good and healing and they actually, it's cute is my kids now do it. My son, he's 10. And when he gets angry, he'll come down and say, mom, I'm feeling really angry. Can I use your punching bag and turn on some music? And so it, it just goes to show that we all have emotion. We all have massive sorrow and fear and anger and all the feelings that 
if you show it in a healthy way and you allow yourself to do it in a healthy way, there are other ones watching you as well that can also learn that skill set too. So, And you talk about forgiveness as part of this journey. Mm-hmm. How do you manifest forgiveness out of trauma? I love that question, Terry. Um, you have to forgive yourself first and foremost. Um, you know, when I was going through my own forgiveness journey, I always thought like I needed to just get over certain things for a while and forgive other people. But I had, I hadn't forgiven myself for the things that I allowed myself to go through, but the power that I gave over to other people by being a victim in my situation. And once I started not being the victim anymore and owning my own problems and pain of what I did to myself and what I allowed to have happen, that's when forgiveness really started to take form. Lori Schoenfeld is our guest. A fascinating conversation. She's on Twitter. Lori Schoenfeld is the uh, thing that goes after that at symbol. The book is the psychological thriller, The Little Owl. You also spearhead the Inner Enlightenment Initiative. Tell us about that. The Inner Enlightenment Show is a show that I started a few years ago um, where I wanted to be able to create a platform for people to talk about their hero stories as we all have one. We all have an amazing voice, an amazing and powerful story. We just often need a safe space to know where and how to share that. And I was seeing so many amazing people within my community that were doing pieces of art, trying to form music. Um, They were teachers, they were volunteers, they had quirky stories about their ancestors. Um, There were all parts of who they were, uh, but they didn't want, they didn't know where to share it and they didn't feel comfortable knowing how to best share it. And so I formed Inner Enlightenment as a place for them to share their story Um, so that not only can they start to begin to have their own voice, but they can connect to other people as well that resonate with their story, that are looking for someone that understands what they're personally going through and experiencing as well. What's the biggest thing that you've learned in this process of writing The Little Owl? Hmm. Oh, man, to be true to yourself, to be true to your voice into your journey. Um, Going through the whole process of Little Owl, I was right there alongside Adeline as she was trying to find her voice. I was trying to find mine. And um, the more that I would try to do specific things that I thought that I should do or be who I thought I should be, the more I diverted backward and the more that I really was true to my heart and my experience and my feelings, the more I really found my journey more fulfilling. Psychological thrillers are a hugely popular genre. Why do you think that is? Oh, okay. Because I, again, I love that question. (laughs) Because we all want to understand ourselves and each other. We're so fascinated by why people behave and react the way that they do. And our experiences are so very diverse 
that we could have five people in the same room that are going through the same experience, but each one of us are going to process it extremely different. And that's fascinating um, to grasp and really get an understanding of, well, okay, well, this is how I would show up. Why is this person over here reacting this way? Or why is this person over here reacting this way? And it's really just a form of not only understanding yourself, but trying to understand and connect to other people about why they are the way they are and why they do the things that they do. You know, the pandemic, Lori, has knocked us all off of our centers, put us way outside of our comfort zones, and a lot of unusual emotions and feelings are coming up. You were in the process of creation during all of this. How did the pandemic impact your writing of the book? Little Al was being finished up and done on the edit through the pandemic, but I still created and wrote different stories during that time. And it was really examining what was going on through the pandemic, um, why people were behaving the way that they were through this time era and through this space of fear and trauma. Um, I, I really, I personally, this is a Nancy Drew part of me. I really love people and psychology. I really like to understand why people are the way that they are because we're all fascinating and beautiful creatures. Um, and there was a lot of that during the pandemic of a lot of fear and trauma, but there was also a lot of togetherness and a lot of moments of people finding ways to really connect in a very uncomfortable an odd situation as we all together as a whole were in it. Um, so I like to look at all the elements, not just one, like the good pieces that are happening, the fear pieces that are happening, the crazy pieces that are happening, um, the gratitude pieces that are happening. Cause they're all there, you know, describe a moment of joy in your life that you have never forgotten. I would say uh, last year, I was out in the backyard with my husband and my kids, and it was just a beautiful fall day. I love fall. Uh, just the whole feel of fall, the weather, the colors, it was beautiful. Um, setting, and my three kids were in the backyard laughing and playing tag while I was just sitting right next to my husband. And I remember just sitting in this moment thinking, I'm just capturing this whole moment, the laughter, the sight, the feel, the love, all of it. This is what life and joy is about, are these moments. Lori Schoenfeld is the guest. The book is The Little Owl. It's a great read, available in digital and print format in Amazon. Will there be an audiobook? There will be, yes. How do you define success? It's a treasure to each one of us, and it means very different things for each person. I think success, I would define personally for me, is when you are living your most authentic and creative life. That's success. And if you could go back and talk to your 16-year-old self, knowing what you know now, what advice would you give that girl, that beautiful cyborg? I would tell her that it feels like there's nowhere to go from where you are right now, but that that step in that moment as a 16-year-old is just the very beginning and everything that I'm experiencing from that point onward 
will be the defining moments that will not only support me, but will help many others. If I'm true, continue to stay true to my voice and my experiences. Um, not to give up, but it's just the beginning of something really beautiful. A wonderful conversation with a very gifted writer. Lori Schoenfeld is on Facebook at Lori Schoenfeld Events. Lori Schoenfeld is her handle on Twitter. And very soon at Lori Schoenfeld, spelled L-A-U-R-I-S-C-H-O-E-N-F-E-L-D.com. Lori, congratulations on Little Owl. All the best. Thanks for being on Authors on the Air with me today. Thank you so much, Terry. It was such an honor. Authors on the Air with Terry Shepard is a copyrighted presentation of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. Check out Chasing the Captain, the newest Jessica Ramirez thriller from Terry Shepard, available in print, digital, and audiobook. I'm Lisa Davis. Join Terry in the next chapter for Authors on the Air.